These past few years have been challenging for many families. Today, we chat with the Stuart Isaacs about how they've worked to pivot and thrive. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Pretty much everyone I personally know has been impacted these last few years, financial or otherwise. We've had to adapt, pivot, or in some cases, push through challenges. If you spend any time in our Thriving Families Facebook group, you can see we're supporting one another as we work with what we have and move towards our family and financial goals. Today, I want to highlight the Stuart Isaacs, a local family here in the Triangle area, who during a conversation we had a couple weeks ago also found out that they're Coastal Credit Union members. Michael and Shemeca have had some pretty big changes and shifts to deal with since 2020. Last year in their Money Diary series, the New York Times featured their story and their numbers as and their financial numbers as they navigated through life changes such as having a baby, switching careers, remote learning for their kids, oh, and buying a house. We're going to get into how they made those changes as a family. In this episode, We'll talk about balancing work from home while having kids do remote learning, buying a house in the middle of the pandemic, and teaching their kids to be financially savvy and thoughtful. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. I can't believe I'm saying this. This is two years since the pandemic started, and I don't know anyone who hasn't been affected in some way, shape, or form. I saw your incredible story in the New York Times. Yes. <laughs> Going through the pandemic was an interesting time period. So to have that opportunity to be a part of, I guess, New York Times version of history uh, right. well, in motion. <laughs> yeah. To represent people who were, you know, finding ways to survive in the pandemic was definitely an honor, but it definitely was telling to learn so much. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It really uh, helped us be more accountable in the midst of crisis and to lean into that a whole lot more. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I've you know done some news piece, but to feel comfortable enough to like share your numbers, because I know like finances and family, like, people are very private about that, but you were very open. And something that stuck out to me was the, not just the resilience, but it came across like you guys were, team, you were really leaning into that with your kids, being there for them, balancing, let's see, work. You have four kids in remote learning at that time, different ages. You had a new baby, job changes, uh, and And then buying a house and a toddler and and buying a house. That is amazing that you guys are coming out stronger. So if you don't mind, could you go through the timeline of like what came first? And because th- did your baby arrive right before COVID or around then? How did that work? 
Well, if we start the timeline right before COVID kind of began to creep across the U.S., we feel like we were just ahead of it when things started shutting down. We were still traveling. I was uh, still very much pregnant due in June. We were seeing, we were in the Capitol having senator meetings in March, right? Right before they started breaking down. It was like, we have a pulse of things were coming, you know, they were being a little bit more careful up there, but but it hadn't hit very strong then. We were in D.C. shaking hands with senators in the midst of while a pandemic was like so cheaping up and breaking, closing things down. (laughs) Wow. Essentially having a small business building our consulting firm. I was recently laid off from my job because my department closed. So we were making a transition, felt the momentum of the work supported by Shemeca's consulting firm. Then all of a sudden, the whole world falls apart. And we were already looking for a house. We were already preparing to, you know, the family because we knew the new baby was coming. Then the worst crisis that any of us have ever experienced and we're still experiencing had started to happen. We had to, as an unfortunate word, we call, the people say pivot all the time. Yeah. Uh, we had to balance. We had to balance mm-hmm. each other. I think that's what a lot of what our story reflects is that we saw the need to support one another, Shemeca supporting our family in regards to me transitioning my income and then being able to come in and support her to keep us supported, even though we're going through the roughest time. My background is in sales and marketing, and Shemeca is just one of the most amazing leaders and coaches. So us kind of building each other up and then balancing the kids. I always call myself daddy daycare sometimes. <laughs> we, had do, we had to do just to keep things moving, and we were just fortunate to have each other and the opportunities from the different you know organizations we work with. We were just grateful that everyone was being nimble and flexible, yes. and we found our opportunities. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You touched on a lot of things, but something I want to go back to and highlight is the realities of running a business, like working period. That was a you know big transition for a lot of people. I know my husband works from an office, switched to remote. I'm an entrepreneur myself. So I understand like it is a lot to juggle because you're wearing a lot of different hats and you have four kids remote learning and they each have their own needs. How did you balance that? Because like I kind of shifted. I don't know if you guys did this, like a swing shift. So I would do a lot of work early in the morning before they would, you know, wake up. And then in the evening, whatever had to get done that day got done. How did you guys handle that? We found whatever corner we could (laughs) Um, because having students at four different schools, having to participate in those classes, they needed quiet space. And I'm doing leadership coaching I need a quiet space too. So we all gave each other grace and we knew that in this case, balance needed to be fluid. We needed to be flexible. So if it was having a meeting on the stairs mm-hmm. in the corner <laughs> to get a moment of quiet, we did it. Um, we, did it. we had a son who done. used to do his work underneath mm-hmm. the family table and that was his <laughs> choice, but he wanted to have his own space from his siblings. So just funny things that we got to see our kids yeah. have to develop new habits to get their work done, to work with their other siblings. It's not like they're in the same classes of schools right. to say, what yeah. was that assignment? We literally had two middle schoolers, two high schoolers, and trying to manage all of their activities, having to tell our son he couldn't play football, yeah. you know, during the pandemic and he's yeah. you know, avid for those types of sports. And it's just 
you know, when we're looking at all the things we had to do, I mean, it is a beautiful thing to reflect. And again, mm-hmm. John was still in the midst of really that first real year of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it, you know, we were even in shell shock to share our finances, to share our habits, but we also mm-hmm. knew that we had an opportunity because we are in a space where a lot of times statistically African-Americans always get judged in regards mm-hmm. to financing. We wanted to set an example. And that was always our priority as a family overall. So the pandemic just allowed for us to know at worst case scenario, our mm-hmm. you know work together planning, Shemeca's super scheduling, because I can't tell you, if, <laughs> as a man, I must admit, <laughs> we can just do things at the whims, but because she loves the schedule, that changed my life and it really helped us in this pandemic is having really strict schedules that we disciplined ourselves to. We had to create our own daycare kind of system mm-hmm. for our son so he could still be educated. The He's four now. He's still not even in kindergarten yet. So we had to create all these yeah. different unique uh, ways of mm-hmm. overcoming these obstacles and not let our kids feel burdened by it. That was the other part of it as well, too. We're going through changes. Yeah. I don't want you all to, you know, feel it and, you know, because I felt it with the friends, not seeing it like they wanted to. So it was a lot, but because we have faith and we mm-hmm. believe in one another, we brought it together. So and meditating, yeah. we encouraged them to join in when they felt up to it, especially if we were, if it was a late day for us, because we tried to do it before everyone got up. But if it was a late day and it was in between their classes, they could come over and join us. So. We were able to incorporate them in that to give them their own outlet for their own well-being, too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I love that holistic approach. We were in the same boat, too. We have two girls. And that was our kind of focus was what kind of routine with everything changing outside mm-hmm. and all these transitions. We wanted to give them a space where it would feel calm, even though there's all this stuff going on, and then let them express themselves. You know, they see the news. They're not ignorant kids nowadays. Like, they are on top of everything with current events. But I want to talk about on top of everything, buying a house. I probably don't live too far for me. I'm, I'm in Raleigh and I had to help my mom. She moved into the area in the middle of the pandemic and it was crazy house hunting. For you guys, how did that process go? And since we were going through the pandemic and then we all realized like we all need kind of our own space in a house, Did that change your house hunt, like what you were looking for? Well, pre-pandemic, we were always looking for space because our family was growing and um, we wanted our room back (laughs) down at that point. (laughs) Space was important Mm -hmm. for us to be able. And then while we were going through the pandemic, having a yard, um, we were in a townhouse in the midst of this. There wasn't like a backyard to let the kids go out and just run that energy out. Yeah. So in the midst of the pandemic, I think our one of our first pivots was backing away from the competing of putting money down, earnest money and getting oh, out yeah. by someone else and that emotional roller coaster. <sighs> well, that was hard because we were looking at houses. The kids knew they were aware of the process. Mm-hmm. We wanted them to see the process. So they yeah. And so we involved them as much as we could. Then I, I just had my, this is it, no more denial, <laughs> getting our bids. We're falling in yeah. love with too many houses. So I was like, let's get out of the competition and let's mm-hmm. just build. And that'll remove this competitive nature out in this ugly market. But what yeah. was it like for you? 
Well, I mean, it was tough. We were planning it pre-pandemic. I had, was gainfully employed. We had our businesses going and then the world falls out and you're still looking for a house. And as, like I said, we were going place to place, bidding, mm. really trying to look at options even outside of the city to yeah. kind of see that greater Raleigh area is what I've now come to call it. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about markets like Atlanta, you know, though Atlanta, they call it proper, is the hub. People mm-hmm. have kind of built up the outskirts and the growth yeah. areas around. I think for us, we saw that opportunity to say, hey, we go a little bit further out the city, but enough that it's an easy drive. We can get something with a greater value. We can really kind of hedge the market a little bit, use some of these government subsidies if possible. And that's just me giving game and information mm-hmm. to anybody out there. You find out what's out there. There's rural subsidies. There's, you know, USDAs. There's so many different products that are out there to help people who are looking for a home. And I'm saying that now because we were fortunate. We got in right before the lumber got, you know, expected. Yeah, so there was so much, like even our house, you know, and honestly, our value has increased because the market changed, you know, so that's another thing with home ownership. Yeah, we came mm-hmm. positive equity. So. Yeah, so it was just nice. Because because we were already looking and we pushed and we pushed, you know, Shemekha may call it, or I'll, I'll go double down on it. It's called, uh, you know, buying a home while black. You know, <laughs> it's not an easy process, you know, oh, um, yes. you know, yeah. you got your own challenges from your past. To talk about our big family, we were former divorcees who brought mm-hmm. our lives together. And so yeah. we're living what we call our second chance. You know, we're living our second chance to be able to put our lives together, to love a person that loves you, do everything to make sure our kids have the right setups and education. Mm -hmm. Having a house was so vital to us having that foundation, as my wife made me realize, because I was hesitant at first. As a man, you want that that big dream house and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. keep working. But she was like, no, we need something now. It it was more of a, we have a beautiful home, but it was a practical, like we have a lot of kids, things are changing. I had to adapt and really suck up my pride and really say, hey, we need this. And then she made it really clear to me when she made the concept of we need a place to unpack. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're living in a townhome, we were even renting a storage unit just to put it in perspective to keep mm-hmm. some of our excess products. And gotcha. so now having a home, we've been able to have all of our stuff in one place. Mm-hmm. And that feels whole again after mm-hmm. a lot of life changes over the years. Because we're talking about you go back to 08 financial crisis to this pandemic, a lot of people have been hit. We don't want to go over anyone's head to say, if you even had the chance to rebuild from 08, 09, and then you get in fast forward less than, you know, 10 years later, Mm -hmm. you're in the midst of a pandemic. That's traumatic for a lot of people. So we just count our blessings that we had each Mm -hmm. other and we were able to really put together Mm -hmm. a solid plan. I tell anyone out there, if you have a plan, work it. Don't give up on it. Don't let outsiders tell you it's impossible. Push your loan agents, push your realtors, push, Mm -hmm. push, push, push. Because if you let up at any point, they'll give up. If you stay positive and let them know that there's no way you're taking yourself out of the game, there's no way you're going to let a bid stop you. That's the tenacity we had to get it done. And it feels like a blood through draw by the way. So I see, I understand why they make it hard. It's not fair, but like Michael was saying, that persistence is key. I mean, and we did this mm-hmm. buying a home self-employed, yes. which is a whole nother. Job. So you, this is what I'm saying. All these things yeah. happened and we still had to keep the process going to make sure that they would not 
tried to limit us and what was possible for our family because we had to have it happen. Yeah. And you bring up some good points. I've also had friends because for those that are not familiar with the Triangle area, it is, I mean, it is a hot market. It's yeah. growing. We had bought our house. Now it's been six years and mm-hmm. two going on three years ago. Like they have a whole new development across the street. If they find like a sliver of land, they put a development in there. Yeah. So the the prices shift and jump, but you do have to look at all your, you know, programs that are available. I've had friends, like you mentioned, the USDA rural, because people think, oh, no, it's completely out in the middle of nowhere. But many times it's just over the line. So like on the map, it says rural, but you're still within those city limits. I know first time home buyers, like there's programs out there. And like you said, lean into that. Your loan officer, lean into your real estate agent, whoever's on your team, make sure they're pitching in. <laughs> Pitching, make them your friend. We did everything. I mean, we had a phenomenal realtor. I mean, they would gift us a lot, just really kept us. Even when we weren't getting the bids we wanted, they would still stay with us. Yeah, he's yeah. such a motivator. He was a wonderful gentleman. We were very grateful to our friend Bobby. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, he knows who he is. But hopefully, like I said, whether it's him or any other great realtors out there, he was an asset to us mm-hmm. to really kind of give us the, the information we needed, guided us took us to places where he was able to get other clients approved and really help them through the process. So again, yes, your team is very important. Most of the time you don't think about that when you're married or mm-hmm. you know, trying to buy a home, but you still need a team to yeah. complete the process. And you know, even down to your closing, uh, make sure you have a lawyer involved. We mm-hmm. did it ourselves. We have our own legal kind of mindsets, but at the same time, after reviewing the paper, for those who may not be financially savvy or you understand legal terms, definitely have someone who you know that mm-hmm. understands those things to review the paperwork you're signing because they were, you know, closing people. They was just like, wow, you, you're charging me fees. Yeah. And so this is the yeah. part where we, we hope there wasn't any, we want to call it discrimination more than mm-hmm. we would say it was a, a new normal that people have to get used to that home ownership comes in new complexions and it comes with different ways of lifestyle choices in terms of how you employ yourself and how you pay mm-hmm. yourself. So I think we had to teach Oh, yeah, our mortgage professional lesson in terms of the new world. And, and that's to all the people out there, creators, mm-hmm. all those people who are tr- having incomes come in in unconventional ways. Mm-hmm. No one tells you that that may give you trouble doing conventional things. So yeah. we need to make sure that people are aware of that. And through our trials, we were able to kind of capture that opportunity because we literally were doing the interview with the New York Times mm-hmm. in the middle of the paper. Wow. While the kids are in class, while we're trying to keep our business <laughs> Oh, yeah. And while, let me step over here. This lady was writing her first book, <gasps> author now. And all of that came out at the same time. New York Times, I bought that for you, too. For yeah, your- I remember that when it came in. Yeah. And it focused, the reason I like it so much because it had the receipt. It was about, yes. it's funny in the local you'll talk, they'll say, keep receipts on things. Well, I tell people in life, keep your receipts from the grocery store, from the mechanic, from anything mm-hmm. you do, so you can start to pattern yourself and pay attention to the habits that we all collectively have. I think that was the biggest thing about this process. And it's now actually permeated into our work now that we see a greater opportunity for what we learn with New York Times and this money diary process. A lot of the work we do with our organization, our consulting firm, I Am Brilliant, we're helping organizations as well as individuals, families to really figure out 
not only their financing, mm -hmm. but their mental health and other things that are going to be that can be obstacles mm -hmm. to our journey. Right. But we're helping people find a better narrative. So that journey ends with them finding victory. Yeah, we're definitely as with the community, we've had these conversations where there obviously there's the numbers part of it, but there's a lot of habits mindsets that we pick up, whether good or bad from our parents, either we're copying them or running away from that, you know, to protecting ourselves. But until we can at least have those honest conversations about why we do what we do, yeah. it's really hard to, to hit those goals that a lot of families have for themselves. I, I do want to talk about uh, habits real quick, because I was looking at the numbers, this personal finance, we talk about your savings rate. You guys did a really good job with that. Um, prioritize saving in this case because we had so many dynamics going on with wanting to have a comfortable down payment, um, wanting to make sure we had things covered and things that weren't included. We knew we had to come right in. Um, yeah. So for us, fencing a yard and having a budget for that was important. Um, yeah. It didn't come with the house, but we had to be prepared um, for that. And also having contingency plans because we didn't know what was coming down the pipeline. A lot of my speaking engagements and traveling was cut down. So there was a pivot even in my business model because I wasn't doing on location things. So readjusting how we were living, how we were saving our money and prioritizing that was very important to create and, and build a stronger cushion with the big milestones we were hitting with the new baby and a new home. Yeah, but that was amazing. I was looking at the numbers like that's a great savings rate. But something else I noticed was you guys are very like giving focus. Like that is a part of your budget, charitable giving giving to family. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that as a priority. You mentioned including your kids with the house hunt, letting them know. Uh, what conversations have you had with them, like family finances, things like this is why we give and how much we give because it matters. For me, my background is, you know, one, I start with my family, myself, my family were immigrants in America. So my mother's from Sierra Leone, my father's from Jamaica. Growing up, my principles in terms of Finance was different because everything was about finding that career, finding that great job. For me, growing up in America, I took a different pivot trying to go after entrepreneurship, which is a no-no. <laughs> but I started young. That modeling for me and starting young in entrepreneurship is something we start with our children. Mm -hmm. Financially, we teach them the bare principles of how to make money. So we also, mm -hmm. we were very cognizant to let them be aware of the bills we pay, you know, as any family, like, you know exactly how much it goes out. So we make sure that financially, economically they're aware. We don't sit there and say, here's our bank account balance, but we do <laughs> let them know that everything does cost money. And the time we're spending to work is the time we're using to create that income so we can spend money. We make sure they understand the cause and effect of yeah. working creates mm -hmm. income and then income gets spent whenever you're doing the normal things. Mm -hmm. And that in itself can't be overspent to mm -hmm. then lose money that you can't do more bigger things. I think our work affords us the opportunity with our clients that we get to travel. Exposure yeah. is very important to us mm -hmm. for our children. We growing up, we both didn't necessarily have that level of travel and exposure. Mm -hmm. Our parents did the best they could for us. So we took the foundation our family gave us and we built from that. We're teaching our kids to build from the foundation we're creating so that hopefully they can build. I think that's what everyone ultimately wants, as we call generational legacy wealth mm -hmm. to grow. So we learned lessons and the lessons we're learning mm -hmm. instead of 
waiting for our kids to turn 23 or 25 before we teach them, we <laughs> right. teach them at 13. That way, by the time they're 23, they're able to make sound decisions. We have our kids doing DJ work. We have our kids selling t-shirts, candy. Have raised them as a norm in their own giving yeah. and how they engage community. My son started at a very early age with um, Miles Missions. Miles is their last name. Mm-hmm. And they were writing grants at seven for backpack wow. programs. Yeah. They've been doing dance fundraisers mm-hmm. for community centers. They've done men's marches for gender and sexual violence. They were involved with the Sandy Hook. They did the animal drives. We've kept that and made that normal as far part of their giving and engagement so that they understand that this is for us, it's about our faith. Giving gives more room for us to receive. Mm-hmm. We did that around our birthdays. Oh, you want towards your birthday? Well, it's time to gift your other <laughs> one to someone else. So having that as a practice yeah. is something that's been very important in raising our kids. Now that they've gotten older, now they want to make their own money. They yeah. We've been mm-hmm. talking to them about entrepreneurship. So from DJ into we have an artist, yeah. you know, that yeah. sells her artwork. We have these young kids that they let us know what they like and we show them business opportunities around it so that they can work in their passion so that they're not working for someone else and not enjoying their life experience with work. And we just show by example. So they see us out there. They see us having to hold up the book and say, Hey, you want to buy a book? (laughs) But they also seen the behind the scenes, which is like the time that you had to put to craft that book and editing. I, I wrote a book, so I get like, it's not an easy process. It really, no. like it pulls from you. They So they see both sides. And I love that, the, the work and the reward with that. Yeah. I know we just scratched the surface. So uh, if anyone listening or watching this interview wants to learn more about the work you guys are doing, want to get involved and reach out to you, what's the best way they can? Well, I would say the first beacon for both of our organizations is our website, I Am Brilliant. Uh, .org. That will give you a lot of information about our joint effort, which is what we do a lot about mindset development, leadership development, community development. That's what I Am Brilliant facilitates. If you're like us, you probably have quite a number of accounts between the two of you, including your old 401ks. It can be difficult to stay on top of everything, especially when your old employer switches providers, which is what happened with my husband. Here's where our sponsor, Capitalize, can help. Capitalize helps you find and roll over an old 401k into an IRA of your choice for free. They handle the entire process. And yes, that includes calling your old employer or the 401k provider on your behalf. If you're ready to make managing your old 401ks much easier, find out more at simplifyandenjoy.com slash capitalize. Before we wrap up, I'd like to go over a few key takeaways from my chat with the Stuart Isaacs. This was tough because they touched on so many great topics. The first one I appreciated was lean on the people around you. I enjoyed speaking with Michael and Shemeca and seeing the teamwork they put in with raising their kids, handling work and the finances was fantastic. Consistent communication is key with defining and adjusting your goals and budget. Second, don't be afraid to use any relevant resources available, especially in the situation where they were talking about buying a house. Seeing what programs were available to them was a huge help, 
And it's something that all of us should consider as we're working towards our family and financial goals. Are there any resources or programs that we qualify for that can help us achieve our goals? That means we have to educate ourselves about the opportunities that are out there, but this investment of time can be well worth it. Finally, include your children in the process. No, they don't have to know all the details, especially if they're young. However, letting them see the numbers and the steps involved can teach them to appreciate what they have and prepare them for the future because this is not something unfamiliar. They've had that experience growing up. In this case, with buying a house, they know at least high level what's involved. If you are working towards a family or financial goal in the near future and you're trying to find money to put towards that goal, don't forget we have a free course called Five Days to 5K that walks you through how to find, save, and earn some extra money to hit those goals faster. It's a week-long email course, so it gets sent to you, and you can take it step-by-step on your own schedule. Just go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash 5K. Special thanks to Shemek and Michael for being a part of this episode. If you want to learn more about them and the work they're doing, please check them out at I Am Brilliant. As always, I'll include a link to their site, as well as other resources we mentioned, including one to Coastal Credit Union. Because if you're looking to live better, having a better banking option is always a smart move. You can find the show notes over at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, we're going to keep this theme of pivoting. This time, we're going to look at how you can switch to become a one-income family. For some families, it's needed as they are preparing to have kids, launch a business, go back to school for a career change, or whatever they have planned. We're going to go over how to make this transition go smoothly, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. Theme was by Staircases, with additional music by various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, I want to thank you, not just for listening, but for being a part of the community. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.